from iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I'm your host, Mike De Niro. This is episode 245. We're five away from the big 250. Crazy. It feels like it's flying by. But today, <laughs> I have a very special guest. My main man. You see me work with him a bunch of times. This is family. I got my main man, Dan, from Cage My IQ in the building. What's good, man? Not much. Thanks for having me on, man. Of course, man. Of course. We got to take a trip down memory lane in the DeLorean tonight. What a, what a night back in 97. Facts. But before we go back in time, before we talk about the modern shit, too, because we want to talk a little bit about the wrestling from this past weekend, got to give a big shout out to my homies at threefallsbrand.com. Best rock and wrestling merchandise on the motherfucking planet. So let's see what they be doing over at Three Falls Brand. Three Falls Brand is a DOI merch company that provides original artwork on shirts, hats, stickers, and pins. Three Falls, WrestlePunk merch for the masses. 
Check us out at 3fallsbrand.com and on Instagram at 3fallsbrand. Also, I got to give a big shout out to all the wrestling DeLorean passengers because it is because of you that Manscaped wants to re-up our partnership. And you could now, for another month, get 20% off on Manscaped.com using the promo code DeLorean. So make sure you take care of all your manly needs and put in that promo code DeLorean to get 20% off. But we're here to talk wrestling. And we had a lot of good wrestling this past Friday, starting with WWE SmackDown. What was your thoughts on the show overall? I thought it was really good overall. I thought they did a great job debuting, of course, Solo Sokoa and like showing him out, showing him who he is. They did a little bit of a package for him. And then just wrestling itself. There's one, probably one uh, segment that I didn't like on the whole uh, TV on SmackDown, and that's it. Mm. No, yeah, definitely. I feel like the wrestling was good. Love the main event, and I love the ending with uh, Cross. But definitely cool to see uh, Solo Sokoa on the main roster. He's a guy who I've been watching for a long time on NXT, and I just felt from day one that I saw him, like, this guy is ready already. Like, this guy has everything right now, and I feel like it's great to see him up on the main roster. I feel like it's only a matter of time that we see Sami Zayn kicked out because Solo Sokoa is going to take that spot as the third member of the bloodline. And then, you know, there's a lot of rumors what's going to happen. I would love to see Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens recreate their tag team from Ring of Honor days and PWG days. And we have a feud between the Usos and I know them as Steen Erico. But as uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn here, I think that would be a great feud. Um, Also, I I really enjoyed the uh, the women's matchup that Ronda Rousey won her number one contendership to have her rematch against Liv Morgan, I thought it was a good matchup, and it's not often we get to see Ronda Rousey wrestle on free TV. What did you think of that match? That was one of the ones I didn't like, not for the fact that mm. she won, but like the placement and then who was in the match. Like it made it very obvious that she was going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you look at it, there was all the women in that match were basically uh, heels in the match. So it was like you see, like Natalia was in there, Sonia, and none of them seemed viable as like an option to kind of uh, rival her in the matchup. She just basically dominated the matchup. They had Lacey Evans just randomly come back and wrestle in the match. Barely did anything. It was it kind of reminded me of uh, uh, Shayna Baszler dominating the Elimination Chamber uh, mm-hmm. a, a couple of years ago. And it's kind of funny that I say that because of the segment that they had afterwards where you had the interaction between her and Ronda. So. Yeah, see – I want to see them as a team just because I know the history and the friendship between Shayna and Ronda, but I would love to see a Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey match, especially with Triple H booking. And if we get that old NXT black and gold Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey, you could take my money with that. I would love that. Yeah, exactly. I feel like they're not going to be together. I think they're teasing it, but I feel some some, for some reason, I feel like they're going to have Shayna turn on her at Extreme Rules. She's going to come out but then she's going to car store the match because it makes it too, for me, it makes it too obvious. So you got Ronda Rousey against Liv Morgan again. And it's yeah. like, you, you just had Liv Morgan have a great match and get put over cleanly with no help, no nothing. And now you're going to go right into like a random extreme rules people view with Ronda Rousey and you're going to have, and you're going to put her over. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think if she yeah. got put over, it would be on like a, a major pay-per-view. 
For sure. And also another matchup that stood out to me was the opening matchup. Yeah. We had the Brawling Brutes versus Imperium. This was a matchup I thought they were going to save for like a pay-per-view because it was teased with uh, yeah. at Clash at the Castle with all six men brawling. But, bro, like this was amazing. I, I love this was kind of like part two of Sheamus and, yes. and uh, Gunther. But this was awesome. And I love what they're doing with both these teams. And I think that, you know, if there ever was a time to bring the fucking – war games to the main roster i would love to see it between these two teams yeah. but first of all give a shout out to my main man ivan what's good what's man what's going on ivan what's good fam and my main man nick my dudes what's good what's good nick thanks for joining guys yeah Appreciate everybody you. everybody check out his interview with uh ken shamrock that he did great with, interview uh, tim king from uh the wrestling index great interview check for it sure. out i enjoyed it for sure but yeah definitely what did you think about this opening matchup on smackdown I thought it was great. It was one of my favorite matches of the whole week, I should say. And for them to start it out, that's the way you start a, a like a TV program. It's a match like that. You got everybody oh, yeah. invested early. You got Imperium. They just burned back. Of course, Giovanni Vinci. I was wondering how they were going to do it. It's just they changed his name, and he's back in it. Which is kind of weird because what, what he was only on NXT for two three months. Yeah, and feud, can, he was uh, teasing a feud with uh, Carmelo yeah. Hayes, and yeah, I, I I think this was Triple H uh, flexing his guns and bringing him back up after, of course, Vince is the one that sent him and yeah. kept him down. So I thought that that was one. A lot of physicality in this match. I love the spot where you kind of you kind of kept Sheamus on the on the ropes, and he he didn't get that much time in the match. Yeah. But when he did, he made it matter. Of course, he did the 25 uh, shots to the to the stomach oh, with, with the hand. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I always get hyped for that. And the crowd was into it. The crowd was Seamus is like a born-again superstar three. after that matchup at Clash of the Castle. I'm, I'm telling him. you. I'm telling you. He's, yeah. he's turned face. I don't even think they tried to. It just organically happened. And then, of course, yeah. you had to have... Uh, of course, Imperium win the match because you got to keep the the win streak going and the momentum with them. They're a hot uh, group right now. That's what you need. And then I could see, uh, uh, of course, uh, Ludwig and uh, Vinci uh, go for the tag titles in the future. The, the tag team division starting to look stacked. Yes. But um, I, before I uh, give my thoughts about what I feel is like the missing piece to Imperium, just want to uh, give another shout out to Ivan here, and he says we can see Ronda and Shayna, the women of destruction, dominating the women's division. Hey, I, I was just saying right now, I would love to see them as a team and as yeah. opponents because I think that right now Shayna Baszler is back to her old NXT ways, and yeah. it would be fucking awesome. Also, shout out to my boy Lennox Coleman. How you doing, man? Thanks for always supporting, What's bro. What's going on? I know he's always uh, retweeting and putting stuff on IG. Yeah, that's that's, that's the homie. That's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like the one missing piece that made a period Imperium was the theme song. You know what I mean? Was it Symphony Nine or Seven or Yeah? Yeah, like and it was teased. It was teased because they had like the first opening notes of yes. it to start out their entrance. I was like, oh shit, we got it back. And then it went to the new theme song. But you know, I hope that we could eventually get back the theme song because it adds so much to that team. It just reminds me of Chapa. We want the old Chapa theme song, and we're probably not going to get it back because it's the it's the call up, and you you want it to happen. But I feel like this is like the new Imperium, even though it's the same group. They want to kind of switch things up a little bit, and I don't think it. I don't think it's going to happen, but I wish it did. Yeah, me too. Fucking like me ain't got nothing. 
Yeah, you should be watching this and not the not the football game. <laughs> Overall, though, I think it was a definitely a strong SmackDown, yes. strong wrestling on the show. Uh, g- good build to um, Extreme Rules, I believe, is the next pay per view, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Extreme Rules in Philadelphia. Yeah, but definitely, well, which is the perfect spot for Extreme yeah, yeah. Rules. But definitely, I enjoyed SmackDown. I thought it was a, a good show. Um, overall, did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. I hope that the tease is true. Like they did the after the after the bell tease on YouTube, where they teased, uh, of course, uh, L.A. Knight coming back. Uh, he, yeah. he he made the comment, oh, "You got to get to the day, get through the day to get to the night." Which, of course, L.A. Knight. Yeah. I hope they have him leave that group and then him become an L.A. Knight again because we need it. That group's just not doing it for me anymore. The, yet, the vignettes in the fashion shows were kind of funny and good, but now that they're wrestling... I think I'm you can keep it with the... With, I forgot her name. You can keep it with the chick and then Maxine. have L.A. Knight doing... Yeah, Maxine. Have L.A. Knight do his own thing. I, I was yeah. even a fan of the name Max Dupree. Like, man, L.A. Knight was a better name. And shit, yeah. fuck that too. Bring back Eli Drake. But big shout out to my homie Dom from Top Rope Wrestling Talk. Everybody yeah, go support... Man. My people, what's happened? D and D. I need to be <laughs> back the in heart, the, yeah, the hearts yeah, back I mean, in the neon tights. I mean, shit, yeah. But overall, yeah, SmackDown was good. Another show that was on the same night, right after SmackDown, which I thought was pretty good because of that main event was a banger. Was AEW Rampage? Um, good show, but gosh, man, gotta talk about Claudio and Dax. <laughs> I, I, I said it. Earlier in the year, I think at this point right now, it is safe to say that Dax Harwood is the wrestler of the year in 2022. Man, you get him, you get him wrestling. He has that heart and he has the desire to want to win. And it's just infectious. It makes you want to be a fan of him. Yeah. Even though he's a tag team specialist. And and he went out. Like he cut the he cut the promo, of course, when they do the the, the two box promos and then it just made you want to be like okay I want this guy to win yeah he wants it so much and they had a great match man like I I feel like if they stick to this like I said this before Rampage is all Econ needs to do to make Rampage better is not to stack up dynamite and then to kind of spread the wealth between both shows yeah and that's what he did and he's even kind of doing it this week too like it seems like he's Add a little bit more to Rampage, and it makes a big difference with the programming. That yeah. even though you're not getting a, a, like a, a balling out uh, dynamite, you still get a great dynamite and then a really good Rampage. It makes it watchable having matches that matter instead of just all like the second stringers go to Rampage and have and it become like a AEW dark. Like, yeah, a bunch of squash matches yeah. and yeah. Uh, I think they announced Samoa Joe versus Josh Woods this week. Yeah. That's going to be a I'm, banger. I'm looking for that. I'm, I'm a big Josh Woods fan. So am I. I like, I, I like them in a ring of honor. Of course, he's the guy who dropped the pure title to Weary Yuta, and he's just very good technical. He's a beast. He goes in there. I like his moveset. That's a guy that I want them to eventually push big time. But I know yeah. right now it's – it's just him getting to, to know the company. He's only been there for like four months. And I, I, I've kind of gotten to know AEW where they like to let them wrestle and see who they are and how they do on the mic and in the ring before they decide to push them, which I'm okay with. Yeah. Like you give them time to acclimate to the product. 
I'll tell you this right now. I, I hope that they don't just feed him to Joe because yeah. I feel like if they let Josh Woods go like all out, I think him and Joe could put on an absolute banger for could sure. You ima- could you imagine if they had him win, but win because of like outside interference from uh, from of course like Jay Lether and some and then Satnam Singh? I wouldn't be mad that? at it. I wouldn't be mad at it. I mean, I feel like. Joe's title reign with the TV titles kind of been stagnant because he took that time off to do um, the voiceovers for what was it Twisted Metal, Twisted Metal, and then yeah. the, and then that small injury that he had for like yeah. a couple of weeks. So like I feel like either he you know comes back and picks up the title reign and like starts like having these fire yeah. matches or it's like it's a kind of a dull title reign. So I'm not I wouldn't be mad if he lost this to Josh Woods, but definitely I think that you know what you said was very important that AEW needs to spread the wealth. You, you see a lot more viewers of dynamite than on rampage. It's yes. clear. It's obvious. And a lot could be said for the time slot. I mean, 10 o'clock Eastern on a Friday night. It's, it's yeah. kind of hard to get people to like be home and watch AEW rampage at that time. But they proved when they started rampage, like the first two episodes, of course you had the second episode with CM Punk's, uh, return to wrestling so of course that was going to pop a big number but even the first one when you had i think it was kenny omega versus christian cage for the impact title in the first episode on the first matchup you you showed once you put stars on the show you could pop a good rating and maybe not dynamite numbers but if you're bringing in a consistent like 600 700 on a friday night at 10 o'clock i think that's a success but they just got to spread the wealth yeah i've always said with how they do their shows if they wanted to go live every week, which would be a plus, uh, like I think they could make a lot of money do so. You could just do Dynamite on Wednesday. Don't do anything before. Don't do anything after. Just the two hours. Then on Friday for Rampage, you do Dark. You do Dark Elevation. Yeah. And, and then you uh, do, uh, of course, Rampage. You do 8 to 9 is uh, Dark Elevation. Uh, 9 to 10 is uh, uh, Dark. And then you do 10 to 11, of course, Rampage. And you do it weekly. You're going to get people to come just to do all three of those. And then you still go live. So it's like you're getting that live feeling where it's no yeah. one's going to know who's winning because they're not like, oh, it's 10 o'clock. Let me look at the spoilers online because they're going to be posted. No, but yeah, they- I totally agree. I-, I mentioned that in the past, too. I-, I thought that if Rampage could be live weekly, you always feel yeah. a different energy. Like Rampage, when it's live, it has that dynamite energy where yeah. when it doesn't, it's like, you know, it kind of just feels just like another show. So I definitely feel like if they were live, it may be more cost expensive to go live and on the road every two yeah. weeks. And I they're going to be two doing times it. a week, but still. And they're going to be doing a couple uh, in the next uh, month or so. I know they're in two weeks, they're going to have a live one. I forget where it's at. And then the first week of November, they're going to be live on Rampage in Atlantic city. So yeah. I, I saw that. So, the more they do it, the better it's going to be. And I know for at least the live ones, they're going to want to put on a good show. But yeah, I'm watching it week to week to make sure I see if they are consistent with the way they book it. Because I know a couple of people even said like they like how they spread it out because it makes it watchable. Yeah. I feel like even if they did something like we're about to talk about Monday Night Raw from 1997, yeah. something that Raw was doing in 97 was they were live every other week. So they yeah. would shoot two episodes of Raw. It would be one week would be live. The next week would be taped. Even if you did that to save money to begin with, and then when you start building like that rating for yeah. uh, Rampage a little higher and there's more like people wanting to go to Rampage tapings, then I think that you could get to a point where you go live weekly. But yeah. it would 
definitely helped the show for real. Smacking yeah, I, it raw, what's up? Thanks for what's, joining. What's going on? Check and check Smacking It Raw every Friday night. They usually go live at midnight Eastern. That's a great show. Spit and swallow. They talk about what they what they like and what they don't like. So check them out. You can find them on, <laughs> of course, YouTube and Twitch. So check them out. I would rather watch Cage My IQ than a riddle match any day of the week. Shout out to Cage My IQ. <laughs> yes. I'll take that. I'll take that as oh, a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I agree with them. I would rather do that too. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna take this quick commercial break. We're gonna hear from our boy Nick fucking Gage. And when we come back, we'll be going back in time into the DeLorean, all the way back to October 13th, 1997, Monday Night War. We're talking about Raw is War and Monday Nitro. So Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We just just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We just just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being, I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The man, the king, the god of this shit, Nick fucking 
Gage. And you know how I start this off. Shout out to all my MDK gang members around the world. Shout out to all my boys locked up in the cells. Eastern Bloc. Shout out to my hate club. Rest in peace, Big Day Hatred. And rest in peace, my brother Justice Payne. And I'm sending this video to my motherfucking boy, my gang member, Mike De Niro. And Mike, I want to start this off by saying thank you, man, for repping the MDK gang the right way. I want to say thank you, like I tell the rest of the people, and I keep telling them and telling them, Mike, if it wasn't for you or the rest of the gang, me, Nick Gage, I wouldn't be here right now, Mike. And I definitely wouldn't be doing what I love. That's professional deathmatch wrestling. So I just wanted to say thank you, Mike. And I want to let all my MDK gang members know to go check out the Wrestling Delarain podcast. I was on it. It was a dope-ass podcast. We had awesome conversation. It was one of my favorite podcasts I did. And I don't do too many. And I've done some big ones. And this one was one of my favorites. So go check out the Delarane Podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They do this shit three days a week. So from the king of this shit, from the god of deathmatch wrestling, go check out the Delarane Podcast. And remember... They do it three times a week. They ain't slacking. They're on top of their game. They do it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you know what it is. It's MDK all fucking day. And Mike, I would love to be on your podcast again, man. <laughs> love it. Word. Shout out to that's the Delarain podcast. <laughs> that, that's my hometown guy there. Well, ladies and gentlemen, like we do every Monday, we're about to go back in time to the wrestling golden era. The Monday Night War between WWE and WCW. Today we are talking about October 13th, 1997. Monday Night Raw was... There's a couple of historic moments on this Monday Night Raw. But this Nitro has to be talked about. We're going to talk about Raw first, but a lot to talk about. So let's cut this music before we get copyright striked. And let's get right into it. <laughs> I got to love the old old school uh, theme songs right there. Hell yeah, man. Like, I I always get in trouble for blasting that shit on the TV when Raw yeah. opens up and you got Stone Cold walking through the fire. That was such an historic opening set, like theme song. I love it. But uh, yeah, definitely this Raw started out hot. You know, we had the Hart Foundation come out. Um, basically talking about how Bret Hart was screwed out of his matchup with Triple H last week that was ended early because of interference due to Shawn Michaels in China. And then we get DX on the Tron, and we had some historic moments in DX history in this one little segment. But what did you think about the opening segment? I like the segment. Of course, we had a big moment where they they give us the name of the group, Degeneration X, Mm -hmm. because, of course, Bret Hart calls them Degenerates. He said that he wants one of them to come down, and of course, he doesn't care which one it is. He wants to beat one of our asses, and then Triple H goes, "I'll come out. I'll come beat your ass." Oh wait, I did that last week. Never mind. <laughs> and it's just uh, touring with them, 
And then, of course, you get HBK just uh, talking about him. He said, the last time we went, I went for this uh, for this tin belt, he was like, I beat it from you at WrestleMania, so I'm going to do the same thing at Survivor Series. And, of course, we already remember what happened at Survivor Series uh, in the beginning of November. But it was yeah. just great to see. Like, I, I forgot about them coming up with the name Degeneration X. And, like, you see it all over, but it's like, you don't remember the fact that only they named it at the end of the promo. It was a three, four minute promo. And, it, yeah. and all you do is where you remember the last 10 seconds of it. And then the best part is, you know, every time there's a DX like montage or video, yeah. like they always show the line where Shawn Michaels says, we're degeneration next. You make yes. the rules and we will break them. I thought that that was awesome because they, even later on when they you see DX, there's a couple of things that you see in DX montages that came from this episode of Raw, yeah. which was awesome. But uh, opening matchup, we got Kama Mustafa versus Owen Hart. Um, during this matchup, DX actually comes out for commentary. Yeah. Uh, I guess because DX's heels, Jerry the King Lawler thought that him and Shawn Michaels were friends, but Shawn Michaels made it clear they ain't friends. No. But... What did you think about this matchup? It wasn't a long matchup, but definitely no, it, it, it wasn't long. If you if you look at the matches on the on Raw that that week, they were all like four or five minutes long. There wasn't yeah. a long match at all. And this one ended because of a I wouldn't say I would say interference because they of course the nation got involved and then of course they had the Hart Foundation down there. They're all brawling, but then they all attack at Bret Hart. And then I don't know, my favorite moment is HBK coming to the side, coming into the scrum, <laughs> and just go. See, he says something to uh, uh, Bret Hart, and then the guys from Nation are like, get away, get away. He's like, I'm going, I'm going. I said what I had to say. Yeah. And then he goes back around. So it was a fun segment. I like how they were able to do so much in so little time. Yeah, they, they actually had a lot going on in this yeah. opening segment. Um, throughout the show, though, we had a lot of promos and interviews with the Legion of Doom, who are in the main event tonight. They're going to be wrestling the Godwins for the tag team titles. And the stipulation that they put on themselves is yeah. if they lose this matchup, they're going to be leaving the WWF or breaking up. If they win, obviously, they're tag team champions. But we got a lot of cool like little segments here where they're talking about their first time winning the WWE tag team champions. You talk about Paul Ellering being their manager. So it was really cool that they had like a little bit of like the history of the Legion of Doom and the Road Warriors here, even including some uh, pictures and footage from their NWA days, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, I thought it was cool. And then it's kind of funny that it, like we're going to Nitro and we get a kind of thing kind of the same way, but about yeah. luchadors. But we're talking about that when we get to Nitro. So it was kind of funny how they both had their own type of segment like that. But I liked it. Like, if you were just tuned in for the first time, you, you get a, a feel of who uh, El Legion of Doom were and what kind of tag team were, and then the stakes at hand for them tonight. Because, like you said, it was they win the titles or they retire. So it was a good wrap-up to the main event. Word. And you just mentioned Luchadors, and we yeah. had a Luchador tag team matchup here. Uh, I guess this was WWF's answer to the Cruiserweights on WCW's channel. Because we had a minis match. It is yes. Max Mini teaming up with Nova versus Mosaic and Tarantula here in a mini tag matchup. That didn't last too long. No, that, they weren't just minis. They were mini minis, uh, the ones that won. Because the other ones were twice the size of them. But I liked how yeah. <laughs> it, it, I, those two ones that, that won kind of reminded me of Rey Mysterio. Because they were kind of big. And they kind of did the... 
the what's called the Horakrana pin yeah. to win the match. Or and no, in that in that state, they did the Horakrana, but then they did the Horakrana uh, power slam uh, is what I like to call it, and they got the pin over the bigger guy. It still makes me laugh how he could hold him down, being <laughs> yeah, like twice as small as him, but he did it. And they got the victory, and that match was only three minutes long. Yeah, kind of a scary spot too. With uh, yeah. I believe Nova dove to the outside, kind of landed on yeah. his head, which was really nasty looking. Shout out to Dom with the multitasking here. He says he's watching Raw football and us at the same time. Sensory overload. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you checking us yeah. out, man. Real here's, talk. A, here's a quick question: Do you think that having these minis on because they did this for a while? Do you think yeah. it was them trying to answer WCW with the cruiserweights? I, I think that they were actually making fun of WCW with the cruiserweights. Yeah. Like having someone like Rey Mysterio being such a short guy, yeah. five five. Like I believe, like having someone like Max Mini is a like tongue in cheek making fun of Rey Mysterio and smaller guys like Juventud Guerrera, Psychosis on the other channel. Um, smacking it raw. Is this around the time? Nah, th- that yeah, actually is, is about deal. two years later. Yeah. Uh, this is just Legion of Doom putting it all on the table. We're either winning or we're walking away. Yeah, that but, was two years later when another local guy uh, draws the was yeah. in Legion of Doom. Next up on the show, we had it was supposed to be Flash Funk versus Shawn Michaels, which I thought would have been a great matchup. Especially, it would have been, yeah. I, you know, I'm watching a lot of ECW every Wednesday. We do the ECW reviews, and I'm always talking about how underrated Two Cold Scorpio was. And I can't even remember a matchup he had with Shawn Michaels, but if that matchup actually happened, I would love to see that. And I was excited when I heard that that was happening here. But that is not what happened. Instead, we have Flash Funk versus Kane in his debut matchup, who debuted two weeks ago at Bad Blood, Hell in a Cell. And yeah, fucking Flash Funk got destroyed in about two moves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, wasn't this like a week or two after he debuted? And yeah. then he comes in. I, I know a lot of people remembered just that close-up of his mask. And yeah. it gets everybody every time because like, yeah. Like the the old G came was probably the best because you didn't know yeah. who he was, what Word. he was doing. He just created the just the mystique with the his eyes because you couldn't see his his mouth or face or anything. It was just the eyes, and he did so much. Uh, and I, I was four on. years old at the time, and I was terrified. Yeah. I remember when I went to a live event and Kane came out, I needed my dad to take me to the fucking concession stands because I was crying. I was so fucking scared of Kane at that time. <laughs> and, then had, come, things, and then he came out dumb. and then he choke slammed, uh, of course. Yeah, he choke slammed, I believe, uh, Flash Funk. And then you see him leave. You see all the lights, the way they are red and black. Yeah. But then as soon as they go off, all of a sudden you see HBK just slither in there and make the, make the cover. You had China at the ring bell. Yeah, and of course Rick Rude, who was basically the uh, the announcer, and then he had Triple H go as the ref. One, two, pause for second, three, and then he had uh, Rick Rude uh, do that. And you're right all the matches, and then he went with that. I thought it was funny. I thought it was a good way to end that segment. I feel like adding the name to DX made him act really like Degenerates because just a week before you know it was more of just them doing like edgy promos here you could see more of like the like the high school humor that they had but yeah like like Dom said Too Cold is underrated as fuck man I would have really loved if this was an actual match yeah just like you said it gave him an identity you had to just say okay it's HBK Triple H China and then Recruit all you had to say was Degeneration X or DX it was an identity that made things easier for them. 
Yeah, most definitely. Now I'm gonna skip along a little bit on this show. Um, I especially I'm skipping that DOA versus Truth Commission yeah. match. Shout out to Don Callis, but I never was really a <laughs> fan of the gang warfare that they were trying to do at this time. But um, let's talk about that Stone Cold Steve Austin promo. Steve Austin was reinstated. If you remember a couple weeks back in the garden, Steve Austin hits the stunner on Vince McMahon for the first time. Um, the week after he says that he's not coming back to the WWF unless he is reinstated, injured or not with the neck. Yeah. And not only reinstated, but reinstated in a matchup with Owen Hart. So Vince McMahon says next week, you're going to sign a contract. That's also going to be a waiver saying if you get hurt again, the WWF is not responsible and Stone Cold is all too glad to sign that contract here yeah. and get his matchup with Owen Hart. But another story is at Bad Blood in your house, Owen Hart had an icy title match against Farouk, and Stone Cold actually screwed Farouk and helped Owen Hart win because Stone Cold wants to get the icy title back from Owen Hart, the guy who injured him. Yeah. But now that also started a beef with the Nation of Domination. I just love how this segment ended with a young rock, no pun intended, yeah. And Stone Cold. And like at the time when Stone Cold hit the stunner on Rocky Maivia, I'm sure people didn't realize that about two years, three years later, these are going to be the two biggest stars in the industry. So I thought that and, that was and then, awesome. and then this was like two months before he was starting to break out on his own because he wound up finishing second to Stone Cold in the Royal Rumble. And that's where he started. The Rock started his famous, I think, rivalry with Ken Shamrock. Yeah. I believe, I believe it was. Or he, no, or he had yeah. It was, it was around it was the Royal Rumble because yeah. I remember they had a matchup at the next Mania, Mania fourteen. They had their matchup, but, but it's it, it's kind of funny because this is the second time you see the Nation of Domination. You see yeah. them having that scrum with the Heart Foundation because they have the rivalry, but now you have Stone Cold getting involved with a different segment with the Nation. So the Nation are getting involved with several people uh, here, and they're making yeah. themselves so just like DX, DX was getting themselves involved with several people. But I like how Stone Cold goes to uh, uh, to uh, Mr. McMahon. He goes, I'm not signing it until you sign it. He was like, <laughs> I know how these work. So you sign it first, and then I'll sign it. Vince pulls and out he, the glasses. <laughs> yeah. And he, has, he finally signs it, and then Stone Cold goes, okay, we're good. I'll see you. And then Vince goes, no, 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 no. You didn't sign it yet. You don't, <laughs> If you don't sign it, it's not a deal. And yeah. then Stone Cold signs it. But then he goes, okay, you got to shake my hand, and then we're good. So it's like a back-and-forth thing. Yeah, he, he shakes it, and then it's just a great segment because you think he's going to get stunned, and then he doesn't. But then Farouk comes out because he, he's pissed that he didn't get the IC title. But then there's a lot of heat because I believe that was the SummerSlam that he hurt his neck, right? Uh, with yeah. The, the, yeah. So – that's like the another big moment. Like we said, you got King of Ring where he wins it because of the click. Mm -hmm. He has the Austin 316 moment, but then you have that moment where it kind of he had to change his moveset to a more basic one. But then it's the iconic Stone Cold Steve Austin just brawler mentality, yeah. and that added more to his character, which is crazy how organically we've had like two mess ups that made a guy into a superstar. Also, I, I just love that, you know, this was pre the Austin McMahon rivalry that yes. the Attitude Era was known for. But you could see like the glimpse of chemistry here that these yeah. two had together. And you could tell that, you know, down the road, there's going to be something big with them because they just had great chemistry, yeah. even on the yeah. mic with each other. 
Yeah, and, and it's crazy that you, in a span of four months you go from I see title Stone Cold to World Title Stone Cold to the like main yeah. event because he's working in 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 these storylines for the the mid card title, and then all of a sudden he wins the world the Royal Rumble a couple months later, and then all of a sudden he's just shot up to the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean you can't deny that pop. Yeah. Like everyone was just a Stone Cold Steve Austin, Austin three sixteen fan. Yeah. Insane. All it took was a year. All it took was a year because if you go back to thirteen, it was when he wrestled Bret Hart and they had yeah. the double turn, the famous double turn. Yeah, and it's like boom, he just shot out of a cannon. For real. Now skipping along a little bit, we're going to talk about a light heavyweight matchup. A guy who I did not expect to see on this card was Jerry. Ty Jerry actually had a matchup here in Raw in 1997. He went against Too Sexy Brian Christopher, who Jerry the King Lawler took during the whole matchup, refused he had any relations to. But I thought that this was a pretty solid matchup. And like I said, it was pretty cool to see Ty Jerry at this time period. Yeah, because everybody knows him from, of course, other uh, federations and other promotions. He comes here. You got Brian uh, Christopher. This is right before Too Cool. I believe it is. This is right in the beginning before he partners up with Scotty Tuhati. And then you get the things with him and his father because they don't get along, of course. Yeah. It's a nice, <laughs> like, just uh, like beginning to that. And then you see him get the win. It's like, it's crazy to think that he would turn from this into a big time tag team specialist because they're, they weren't huge, but they were a fan favorite. And then they, they still had one or two tag title reigns that they still were able to get. Yeah, and like Dom said, there was definitely Jerry's kids. <laughs> yeah. I love how you know everyone's trying to go around it. Like you have Vince McMahon dropping like little hints, and then you have Jerry the King Lawler dropping little hints. But JR just fucking flat out says it. He says, Well, that's because he's your kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta love JR. Yeah. So next we have Jim Cornette's opinion. During this time period, in the New York Post, there was a guy named Phil Mushnick who was notorious for bashing professional wrestling, no matter what promotion it is. And it was only, I believe, two weeks ago that Brian Pillman passed away during uh, the pay-per-view. Yeah. And Phil Mushnick actually used that in his column to, like, I guess, strengthen his his stance on professional wrestling and how it should be outlawed in America – and for the last couple of weeks, we've been seeing these little segments where Jim Cornette gives his opinion, and it's totally a shoot. There's a yeah. there's segments on Raw where he's praising WCW. There's segments on Raw where he's talking about ECW. So it's always a shoot, and I feel like this was actually pretty cool to hear WWE and just wrestling in general respond back to the guy who's talking shit about WWE on a major publication like the New York Post. And he even was like defending WCW itself, like oh, yeah, on yeah. Raw, which I thought was really awesome too. That that's where you show where it's like real life, and like it's beyond like the Monday Night Wars. And this is yeah, this is wrestling in general. Like we can't let him say all this and to take it away from us. So I'm gonna say what I need to, and if that means I'm gonna praise WCW and help their name out because it's gonna help us out at the end, then I'm going to do it. And then he was just he just let loops. Yeah, I loved it. Um, let's talk about that main event, LOD versus the Godwins. Yeah. Well, well, well first, actually, I got to go back a little bit. We we had Triple H versus the Patriot, <laughs> which didn't take place. 
Um, Rick Rude comes behind the Patriot. He he throws coffee in his face, which was also a little shot at WCW because at this time there was three weeks in a row where Deborah McMichaels threw coffee in a, in a wrestler's face. So I guess that that was like their little yeah. you know answer back. Um, WWF was really petty, but so was WCW <laughs> at this time. So whatever. Yeah. Um, Shawn Michaels comes out. He announces that Triple H is the winner by forfeit after a hard fought victory. <laughs> and then we get like one of the classic segments with Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter coming out. And while he's talking and cutting a promo, they're acting like he's spitting all over them. Um, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter wants DX to have a matchup. So it's going to be Ahmed Johnson who's making his return going against Triple H. But that was yet yeah. another matchup that didn't happen because once again, we have the Nation of Domination, which is a running segment, I guess, on this show. But the Nation of Domination jump Ahmed Johnson. And once again, Triple H and Shawn Michaels are scot-free of having a matchup on this show. This is this is feud number three for and the Nation of Domination. Yeah, where it's all like, over oh, here. It's like, oh, it's this guy placed in here, but with a different guy. And we got to help them out. And it winds up, it, you, you look at it, it's like, oh, DX has this unknown like alliance without even knowing within the yeah. nation where they helped each other out and then just made a mockery of things. <laughs> now let's get to the main event tag team title match. We have the Godwins versus the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. This was a smash mouth hard hitting matchup. And I thought it was a pretty good matchup. Um never really been a big fan of the Godwins, but I'm a big uh, Road Warriors fan, so I thought that this was a great moment for the Road Warriors to win the tag team titles here in the main event. No, I'm with you with that one. Of course, it ended with, uh, of course, Uncle Cletus <laughs> helping the LOD win by accident. He was supposed to uh, do it, like, interfered to uh, get out the Legion of Doom, but he winds up doing it to his own uh, like, team. And then it helps the Legion of Doom win. They win the titles. And then the Godwins basically kick him out. They're like, we don't need you anymore. And then that's the mm. last you see of Uncle Kalidus. Break his nose and all that. Yeah. yeah. So overall, what did you think of Monday Night Raw from October 13th, 1997? It was pretty decent because, of course, Facts, what, do, what did we have? Three matches actually were matches. And then we had three yeah. That were like just boom done right away, so it was like it was good. It wasn't anything special to me, but we did have meaningful vignettes that were wind up being big, uh, of course, big moments. Uh, but yeah, no, but I love Nick and Minion. <laughs> That's a good point there. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, as entertaining as the segments are, um, definitely, like I said, we got some historic moments here with DX, but. I say it every week, like Raw is War is a great show. And it definitely towards the end here of 97, and it really starts to pick up in 98 and 99. Yeah. But especially during this part, like I feel like wrestling is so secondary. Um, a lot of the matches are either DQ finishes thrown out or just not yeah. matches at all. And I feel like, you know, what we're about to talk about on the other channel is running away with the wrestling aspect of the yeah. show because – like it was very wrestling heavy, and we're about to talk about Monday Nitro right now. I, yeah, but... I felt like they, I felt like uh, WWE needed to build the stars that they have, like the big stars. Like you had, you, you had to build Stone Cold at the time. Yeah. You were getting ready to build The Rock. You had HBK already. He was, he, of course, you had Bret Hart. 
Triple H was there. Like you didn't know he was going to be that big of a guy, but he would wind up getting built. And then you were trying to get them into so many segments at once. Yeah. And of course, the Legion of Doom. You you were focusing them so that when you were able to bring in more talent, that you could do it, and then you could focus on the wrestling then. But this was just a matter of getting people in front of the the TV, yeah. so people could get that base and either like them or not like them. No, most definitely, I agree with that too. So let's talk about the other channel. Same night, same time. We got WCW Nitro, October thirteenth, nineteen ninety seven. This show was awesome. This show had a lot of wrestling, a lot of international yes. stars, and a lot of legends that we still talk about today. Overall, what did you think of Nitro from this night? This was sensory overload with this one because uh, this one wound up ending late. I, I remember there was one match left, and it was already 10 o'clock, so they went yeah. over. Because if you remember during that time how uh, – Nitro did was they would record eight to ten and then they'd show the replay right afterwards. Yeah. So how I would do it was usually I'd watch Raw and then I watched the replay in Nitro because I knew I could at least watch it afterwards. So I can catch both uh, shows. But they had a lot going on. Of course, you always had the the cruiserweights in the uh, beginning. You had Roddy Piper come out not once, not twice, but three times for uh, interviews. You had, I think, five or six matches, and then you had three title matches. On, yeah, on this, the this felt like they were trying to fit like three, four hours of content in two yeah. hours. Where, like I said, like on Raw on the other channel, yeah, you're trying to get new stars established and over, but you had maybe at most like 15 minutes of wrestling out of the two hours. Yeah, this was really wrestling heavy, but definitely the storylines that they were building going into. The next pay-per-view, which is, in my opinion, one of my favorite WCW pay-per-views of all time, Halloween Havoc 1997, which yeah. has probably the best match in WCW history, I feel, with Eddie yes. versus Ray. I'm excited, and I feel like these Nitros are really hitting. So we start out hot. We know we got Hulk Hogan coming out with Macho Man, who was injured last week by getting a diamond cutter on the concrete. He's coming out here with the neck brace. I, love, had, I like I like how they go back and they actually show footage of it, so you can like yeah. say you missed that, and then you're coming in cold. You get an idea why he has it on there and what happened. Exactly. Like these are the things. Like not to always harp on AEW, but these are the things that like I feel like you know we don't see enough of yeah. on modern day wrestling. Like you, if you're a first time viewer, I don't want to feel like I'm lost. I want to yeah. know like all right, I could pick up, and you're going to tell me and put me like in the mindset of knowing what's going on. And they do that here with uh, showing what happened to Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, they did a quasi, I guess, promotion for Hulk Hogan's new movie, Assault, which yeah. uh, on the other channel, I don't know if you uh, caught this man actually was taking shots at Hulk Hogan for his new movie yeah. and saying, oh, you know, ain't, you know, it's worse than Hulk Hogan's new movie, him in the ring. But um, yeah, and uh, you had, I guess, Eric Bischoff well, then, trying to get th people to... And then oh, don't forget Eric Bischoff made the comment. He was like, you know, on this channel, we, we go live. We don't record yeah. Yeah, several shows at once. Like, yeah, they're recording something that's going to pop up next week or something like that. He made the comment there. Yeah, he said, and they would really hate if you take these signs and promote yeah. it there. Yes. <laughs> but I think that, you know, this is what made the Monday Night War so awesome because it was live and on both sides. They're taking shots at each other. Yeah. Like, while it's happening, like, Right now, if like AEW takes a shot at WWE, like 
it's not like while the other company's actually on. And if WWE does a shot at AEW, it's not while AEW is on. So I think that that's what made this time period so special is because it's like, all right, they're talking about the competition. Let me see what they're going to say back because there's obviously somebody in their ear, you know, saying, oh, you know, Eric Bischoff just said this, whatever. Yeah. But I thought that that was really cool. Um, they talk about uh, Roddy Piper allowing DDP to assault Macho Man Randy Savage and saying that he lost control of his commissioner role and of the show. Hulk Hogan says that Roddy Piper, you know, if he has problems with NWO, he has problems for life. And yeah, you know, they're just talking about their matchup, their big cage match that's coming up in Halloween Havoc. And Hulk Hogan says that tonight, by the end of tonight, he's going to leave DDP dropped. He's going to drop DDP like a bad habit. So I like how they start out with what the story is. And we're expecting to see a lot of NWO here on this show. But from a segment where you have stars like Hulk Hogan and Macho Man talking about guys like Rowdy Piper going into the first matchup, a matchup between Psychosis and Eddie Guerrero. This is what I love about WCW. You had the best of both worlds. You had the legends that people know and love. And then you had amazing wrestling right there too. So what was your thoughts on the opening segment and the opening matchup? I love the opening segment because you need to do it. You, you get the big stars on there right away to get the people tuned in. And then they cut it. And then let's not forget, he said by the end of the show, he was going to get his belt back because, of course, Roddy yeah. Piper had the word title. And then you hear commentary say, I think it was Tony Schiavone say, let's hope that he washed the, the what's called, spray paint off of it yeah. <laughs> back to the old style uh, before they give it back to him. And they just made the, like, the funny comments towards the NWO. And then it switches over to, of course, uh, to Eddie Guerrero and Psychosis. I don't remember Psychosis having all that hair. I remember him having the mask and everything, yeah. but I remember it being a little bit shorter. So that caught me off guard because I haven't seen this in so long. But then yeah. seeing Eddie Guerrero right there, it's like, damn, this is where he starts getting that attitude. The, of course. Especially this the, time period, yeah. Yeah, especially this time period where he has that just uh, that mean demeanor. That the cockiness, the everything, because right before it, he was just a good guy, but here's where he turns into the Eddie Guerrero that we all love, the Latino Heat style, yeah. where he goes in there and he gets the victory, and then he tries to pull the mask off, and he doesn't get to. The psychosis rolls out, and then I like how I think right after they did that, they went into the Luchador uh, vignette, yeah. where you actually see him talk about like he was like, I don't. I don't respect any of these guys. And then he lost the hair versus mask match to the one wrestler. I forget his name. El Santo, uh, yeah. El Santo. He shaves it. And then you see El Santo said that he covets the Eddie Guerrero's hair more than <laughs> he, he still does. still had a chunk of hair in his yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, as a sign of him, not respect, but a sign of how good that he did, that he won, that he got one over on a guy like Eddie Guerrero. And then Eddie Guerrero goes, this isn't going to happen next time. And it, it bolts roll right into hit the, his match with, of course, Rey Mysterio because they have a, a a match where it's title versus mask. Yeah. And so this is just like with the other program where it's like a match, titles versus career. This is match versus uh, – <laughs> and this is title versus mask. And they go through like the lineage – of a lucha libre mask and what it means to some wrestlers. Some wrestlers 
think that it's it, that they don't like it, they disrespect it, and I like how they talk about it, and it's like yeah. a two or three week thing, and I believe this is week one or two of it, so it was cool to see that. Yeah, I, I love, first of all, I love the matchup. Psychosis like had a nasty senton from the top yes. rope to the outside that looked like Eddie Guerrero's wind was knocked out of him. But Eddie Guerrero mm-hmm. actually won the matchup. It was a really good match, and he has all the momentum going into Halloween Havoc. But I really did like the segment with Mike Tanay, especially like it fit him perfectly being the professor and giving us the history of luchadors and like the mask and what it means. Because, you know, like I said, you have on the other channel, in my eyes, like WWE kind of making a mockery of luchadors and trying to like, and I don't know, it was never confirmed that it was to make fun of the cruiserweights. But then here you have WCW showing respect. And I thought that that was an awesome touch because <laughs> for all like of like the, you know, I guess rugged and renegade style of the NWO, you also have the other style where you're showing respect to history, wrestling and Lucha Libre, which I thought was awesome. This was uh, this was WCW at its best when they had the cruiser rates because it brought yeah. a different feel to the product. A hundred percent, because I'll tell you this. Some of those nitros were a little hard to sit through before this yes. when you had guys like Lex Luger versus uh, Sergeant Pittman. I don't yeah. know if you remember him. Well, like, even even yeah. after, even in like the 99, 2000s, it was kind of hard to watch. Yeah. So that's why like I'm really cherishing this, uh, this time period because this is phenomenal shit. Yeah. Next on the show, we have Mean Gene. He brings out the commissioner, Rowdy Piper. Who says what happened to Savage was justice? You know, Randy Savage and the NWO is running rub shot around here, and you know it's just karma basically. Yeah. And he says that Hogan he won't find his title; it's somewhere where he ain't gonna be able to find it. And he said last week that if the Outsiders don't defend their tag team titles this week, then they were going to strip them of the tag team titles. Right now, you have um, you have Big Sexy Kevin Nash who's dealing with a knee injury, which is nothing new. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's the tag team champions with Scott Hall. And basically, Roddy Piper says, injured or not, you know, I don't care. You're either defending these titles or you're going to be stripped of them. Yeah. And he said, after a lot of thinking about it, he still doesn't change his mind. It's going to be the outsiders tonight against the Steiner brothers. But yeah, he, made, of, he, he made you think that he was going to change his mind. And he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not changing my mind. Yeah, I thought he was going to give a moment like, <laughs> yeah. hey, whether it's NW or not, I got to do what's right. But no, he's like, fuck you. You're going to defend those titles. So later on, we're going to be getting the Steiner Brothers versus Six and Scott Hall. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy. 
as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being, I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But I always loved Roddy Piper, especially yeah. when he's in a position of power like this, because he fits that role so well. I know. And then he, and then they made sure to call him the icon because, of course, he was a Hall of Famer, of yeah. course, from another promotion, but they still wanted to honor him that way. So he had the, the icon shirt. And then he was just the guy who, this was like the start of fighting against the NWO because it was like you didn't have a guy that wanted to go against him. And he was like the first piece to do so. Yeah, I just love, he's like the perfect foil for the NWO yeah. guy who represents like tradition. Um, we had a matchup that you know I'm not really gonna spend more time on. It, fucking William Regal, who's such a great wrestler, Lord Stephen Regal, who is a legend, going against Mongo McMichaels, who can't even throw a forearm and connect, and then they have him win the fucking matchup. Like, and, and don't don't forget they made them they, they made the point to say that he's been wrestling for only a year, and then he's starting to get better at it. Uh, they yeah. made that point to say, and I'm like. I'm like, at least he looked a little bit better than Goldberg at this time. Like, at least he <laughs> like, was showing a little bit of technicality because yeah. he made the match. Like, I think Regal made the match look better than what it was. Regal definitely carried that matchup. Yeah. The reason why I did want to talk about this, though, is because afterwards, it was announced last week it was going to be Jeff Jarrett versus Mongo McMichaels at the uh, yeah. Halloween Havoc pay-per-view. <laughs> but then the bombshell dropped on us that... Jeff Jarrett's no longer with WCW at this time. He actually left during the week. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That that that's the show's subject to change, and this is the the perfect way to do so. I, I forget when he wind up because I believe right after that he he showed up on uh, I believe it was uh, WWE. I, I believe it's next after. week. Yeah, he's about to show yeah. up like right after. And then it wasn't it wasn't it with the shaved head or. Um, when, well, no, he still comes back with long hair. He he loses yeah. the hair in, I believe, 98 against okay. X-Pac in a hair versus hair and then, match. And then that's when Jeb, Deborah runs up coming over with him. Yeah, Deborah's not long for this world in WCW. Yeah. I think that she has a surprise opponent for uh, McMichaels now yeah. at Halloween Havoc. But yeah, and Smackin' It Raw says, listen, uh, listen, as a Chicagoan, love Mongo, but his interim career was bad. And yeah, it was. I, it, it was really I would bad. say this was one of his good matches. And that's all because of William Regal, let's be real. But a matchup that I'm looking forward to, another great matchup at the pay-per-view that I'm looking forward to, is Sonny Ono's new client, Yuji Nagata, who's a fucking Japanese legend. That's why I I, I love that you're on this show for this because it's announced that it's going to be Yuji Nagata versus Ultimate Dragon. But for on this episode, we're getting Yuji Nagata versus Lionheart Chris Jericho. And, and it, 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 it's a preemptive to Chris Jericho and WWE because if you hear his theme song, 
it's the same exact theme song. That's because as, the Peacock couldn't get the fucking Lionheart music and they dubbed it with yeah. the WWE and theme song. Then, and, then, yeah. and then I'm like, no, I have to be funny about that because I'm like, <laughs> really? I'm like, they had to dub it with this one. You couldn't have nothing, no generic rock music yeah. or something. You had to get it break replace, the walls down. Like, I'm like, you had, you had to replace it with one of like different companies, but I'm like, it is what it is. But it's cool to see Jericho and Yuji Nagata now because it's like, damn. 25 years later, and they're still wrestling. Yeah, you know, it's funny because speaking of, like, these dubs, I remember I had a, um, I think, one of those Rey Mysterio compilation DVDs that WWE put out, and they had matches of him in ECW where he was coming out to Buyaka Buyaka 619. I'm like, fuck out of here. He was not coming out to that shit back then. I don't even think POD was a fucking band back then. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, Dom right here says Mongo might have been the worst wrestler ever. I'd say he's definitely top five because he's one of them. He he was bad. Like there's full episodes of Botch Mania dedicated to Mongo McMichael. Like it, it was not anything to see there. But yeah, Yuji Nagata versus Lionheart Chris Jericho. You know, just to know where they become and where they are now. I think that this was a nice treat to see. Yeah. This as a matchup in '97, uh, Chris Jericho, especially with the Lionheart gimmick that we just saw at All Out be brought back out. I thought that that was really awesome to see. Um, it just feels like this is not the first time where it feels like something that I'm talking about in the DeLorean and talking about like classic stuff is interwined with stuff that's going on in the modern like day. So I thought that that was really cool to have Lionheart Chris Jericho here and Yuji Nagata, who we you know, Japanese legend, New Japan pro wrestling legend. Has quite a run here in WCW. Um, he's still going strong, too. You know, he had that matchup, I believe it was last year, against John Moxley for the uh, United States champion on AEW, yeah. which I thought was really cool. But great to see Yuji Nagata here, too, just, you know, in his prime, young. and just... Before before he, he's the not the blue meanie, but, the of course, you know, now he's yeah. known for wearing all blue. And then yeah. that's his uh, montage now. And then you see him, and you're like, damn. This is him 25 years ago. This yeah. guy, and, and now of course he's getting ready to retire soon. So he's in New Japan. He's one of the veterans that helped train the young lions. So it's like crazy to think how far he's gone because everybody forgets that Sonny Ono was kind of like the the middleman between WCW and New Japan, and is bringing yeah. a lot of these guys over. Uh, and it was kind of like a nice treat because it was a different flavor. Of wrestlers, and this was kind of like the not the beginning, like of course, I think 95 was the start of that, but then this was yeah. the start of them being more of like a like a weekly thing of it. Yeah, we, we already seen Sonny Ono with the great Muda on WCW, yeah. we've seen Sonny Ono with Ultimo Dragon, who he started out as a heel but was so popular with that crowd that they had to make him babyface, and that was led Sonny Ono to yeah. bring in Yuji Nagata to go against Ultimo Dragon. I can't wait for that pay-per-view. Bro, yeah. like, I know, like, I'm asking you on air, but if you want to come on in, I believe, like, a week or two to cover that pay-per-view with me, it's going to be a banger, so you're more than welcome. I, I might have to because it was, I love the pay-per-view. I, I love the, of course, especially with Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. That's yeah. the, the, like, to me, that's probably one of my favorite matches of all time. Like, you, you, you have to consider it, yeah. As one of them, if if not the best, then at least top three. Yeah, most definitely. We got a Raven promo on the show. Raven's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Yeah. So I thought that that was really cool. His little promo by the cradle and yeah. dropping the uh, 
classic quote the Raven nevermore. Yeah. And then we see Raven in the crowd with the start of what he created was the flock. We have Perry Saturn there. I believe that was Sick Boy who was uh next to him also. Was yeah, Sick Boy. Sick, yeah, I think the first time you see Sick Boy, it was him. Yeah. And then during the match, our son Kidman comes out of nowhere yeah. and sits next to him because I think it was it was last it? week that Raven like grabbed Kidman and kind of like took him to the back and kind of like you know, abducted him, and now Kidman yeah. is this like looking Raven flunky he's like guy. Dirty. He's, like, he's like dirty Kidman. <laughs> yeah, like he wasn't. Call. He wasn't that dirty last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did this for a couple of years before he he became the the big time star Kidman that we we knew he would become. But it, it was a cool touch on that, and I think the matchup, which was kind of funny that he did it, was uh, Scott Riggs versus Goldberg, and then we yeah. would know that. Scott Riggs would join him, and then he would have the eye patch on yeah. uh, to join it. So that was kind of cool to kind of see that up oh, in the future. He's going to be with them and not too far away. And then that was a that was kind of a longer match for uh, Goldberg than what I didn't we expect it to be to. that long. Yeah, yeah. But he did botch the the end when he throws them on the guardrail because Scott Riggs almost flips over to where the fans are instead of popping up and then falling backwards. Yeah. He had to he had to kind of catch himself and then push himself backwards before yeah. of course Goldberg comes in and does the jackhammer and that's the first time we hear them call it the jackhammer. They, yeah, they, they were go, just calling it like a, a suplex slam they were calling yeah, it last week. Suplex slam and then this is where like oh we hear this is called the jackhammer when he hits it you're done and this was his only his third match. Uh, on WCW, and then they made they made the cool uh, comment. They're like, apparently, uh, Judo, uh, what's your name? Uh, Gene LaBelle, yeah. Gene LaBelle made the comment that he would like to work with uh, Goldberg in the future to train him. So I wish that, he that did. Caught me off guard. Yeah, <laughs> I wish he did because yeah. Goldberg, you know, he awesome, awesome like aura around Goldberg, yeah, especially during this era. Like, I, I love that, like, he was like this silent killer, and yeah. I love what he became. I love the streak. But, like, if Goldberg had training by someone like Judo Gene LaBelle and had that wrestling style, I think he yeah. could have gone so much further than what he actually was. He's a big star, but imagine if when he had those yeah. longer matches, like against The Rock and Triple H, if he wasn't exposed in those matches. He could have been a much bigger star. Yeah, like with with the character that he was, how big he got, you had to have it be like that spectacle match where you knew it was only going to go like five, maybe ten minutes, but you knew that people were going to get hyped about it because they liked the streak. The streak made him. And I felt yeah. like they, I felt like at that time they knew they had to book him like that because they had to milk him for all that he was. Yeah, and it, had, and it kind of lasted longer than what they thought it would. And shout out to Scotty Riggs, too, because yeah. such an underrated wrestler a lot of people don't talk about. Um, if you watch some of his ECW matches when he was uh, Scotty Anton, I believe that was his real name, yeah. uh, Scotty Anton versus Rob Van Dam during Rob Van Dam's TV title reign in ECW, I think they wrestled about three times. It, yeah. Definitely underrated matches, great matches. A lot of people like to talk about like Rob Van Dam's matches with Jerry Lynn. They were very similar in style. So if you haven't already seen that, go check out Scotty Anton versus Rob Van Dam. And then everybody forgets that he was in a tag team with Buff Bagwell. The what was it? The American, American Males. Males. Yeah, bro. I, that was one of the reasons why I almost stopped watching WCW. Man, that fucking theme song, American Males. Yeah. American. That's all it fucking said. Yeah. It was just on loop. Horrible, horrible. And they, that, they, and they were a good team, but yeah, just like you said, bad, bad, gimmick. bad song, and bad gimmick I thought in that, general. 
I, th- I thought it was a great way to kind of turn Buck Bagwell to what he was uh, then with the NWO. Yeah. And it was one of those cases where, once again, the other guy gets the bad end of the stick, and that's what Scott Riggs did. Yeah, who used the Marty of the group. Yeah. <laughs> Smacking Raw says, when I had Riggs is my favorite Scotty Riggs. Hey, that, that, that's my favorite one too, so. <laughs> Kofi Weeks, then we live, we live, baby. Facts, shout out Dirty Heels Podcast. But yeah, next up on the show, we have Scott Hall and Six come out. They do the survey. And this leads to the tag team title matchup between Scott Hall and Six versus the Steiner Brothers, yeah. which I thought was a super fun matchup. Crowd was all over it. You know, we had Braun Breaker's Pappy and his uh, his uncle in this matchup. But no, awesome. I've always been a Steiner Brothers fan, and I thought that they were an I, amazing I, team. Yeah, I forgot about the, the Steiner DDT. I forgot all about yeah. that. That and was their finishing how... move in Japan. Because yeah. in the United States, they used to do the Bulldog. Yeah. But in Japan, they used to hit the DDT. And uh, then they, they actually used it in this one. Yeah. It goes, jumps off, does the DDT. But then uh, Scott Hall pulls the rep out of the ring and stopped the count. And then that's when, of course, you know, Larry uh, Sabisco comes down and gets in his face. And because you know that they're going to have that uh, yeah. thing, of course, at uh, Halloween Havoc and they're involved in each other. It's funny. It was a great way for them to mention that Larry had got his certificate and then he was able to ref matches because then, uh, of course, Scott Hall comes back into the ring and he gets bulldogged. And then they do one, two, three with Larry as the ref. And there's all that that confusion like, are they champs? Is it going to matter? Of course. And then I think they bring out, of course, uh, to the ring, they bring out. Roddy Piper again, and he goes, Larry was, uh, he went through all the things that he had to do to become a ref, to be able to ref the match at Halloween, ma- ha- ha- Halloween Havoc yeah. last week. So he's certified, he's done anything, so the, the, the end of the match stands, and the Steiners are the champs. And I yeah. think this was the way of kind of taking the belts off the, uh, the of course, the Outsiders, because Kevin Nash was hurt. You weren't going to know when he came back, so you were able to and get it six off is of already, him. I believe six was in hot water all the time, so he was already going to be, like, cut soon. If yeah. you remember, it's only a couple months later where he's in WWE again as X-Pac. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, right, because they actually get rid of him around December. I think January is when they get rid of him, and then he's not yeah. even on TV at all for, like, three months, and then his contract runs out, and then he's able to go the day after – uh, yeah, Mania, yeah. Uh, right after Mania 14, and become with uh, DX. So it's like kind of funny that he that he does that. He works with one of them, and then he works with the other. Yeah. One, of the, one of the two or three guy, only guys to be able to do that. Him, Rick Rude, and I think that's it. I think they're the only two guys to do. Well, that. Shawn Michaels but, was a part of the NWO in that little reboot shit. Yeah. But yeah, but it was it was it was cool to see that. But yeah. I think this was their way of taking the titles off and putting it on a healthy uh, group. And then the Steiners were big back then. Yeah, they and, were over and, as hell. And it made sense. And then we all know that flash forward four months later, that's when uh, Scott Steiner turned on his brother Rick. And then the belts went back to uh, the Outsiders when Kevin Nash was healthy. So we got the big bad booty daddy finally. Yeah. Big Papa Pump. Steiner math. <laughs> but I, I love how like the story has been building a couple weeks here 
you have Scott Hall constantly losing his matches by DQ to keep that yes. title by attacking the referee. And it happened at the fall brawl pay-per-view, which led to Larry Zabisco being sick and tired of it. And now it is announced that it's going to be Scott Hall versus Lex Luger at um, Halloween Havoc yeah. with Larry Zabisco as not only the special guest referee, but now it's also announced that he's a full-on referee for WCW and he's licensed. Yeah, and it, it made perfect sense. Like you kind of take the belt off of a Scott Hall, so you don't have that blocking the the pay per view at all. So if, if they wanted to do a tag title match, somehow they could. And yeah. now he can focus on just being a single star. We know what happened at, of course, uh, World War Three with this Scott Hall. Uh, that I'm sure you're talking about that in a month or so. Yeah, but. It was a nice segment with him and what what they did with it to kind of promote Halloween Havoc. You get him involved with Larry. Yeah, of course, we know that this is the one of the best times for Lex Luger. Uh, like they had the thing on the on the, of course Peacock talking about Lex Luger, the, the whole thing, and it it just made sense with how he was kind of. Once he came back, he came back on less money because he wanted to prove himself, and this was the time that he did. And he looked yeah. like a million dollars around this time. And he was also really over, too. And People forget, was, Lex Luger got himself over in WCW. He wasn't so over in WWE. Like, the whole Lex Express, like, people wasn't really feeling that. But in WCW, he, he, he got himself yeah, over. he didn't feel himself as a face. He always looked yeah. himself as a heel. But he put the work in in WCW to become a big time beast, and it just happened organically instead of forced. Yeah. Now, once again, like I talked about in the beginning of this episode of Nitro, we have a matchup between future legends and future Hall of Famers and guys like our big, well established yeah. names like the Steiner brothers and Scott Hall and Six. And then right after that, we're having another great. <laughs> technical luchador style matchup we have dean malenko versus Rey mysterio which is like a complete contrast of what we just saw but it just worked so well to be one after another this matchup was great and i love the way it ended with eddie guerrero yeah it's Amazing. kind of the same way as the eddie guerrero psychosis match you get the luchador but then you get the cruiserweight that's not a luchador and he had a more technical style yeah so, and we would all know that dean malenko and eddie guerrero wind up going to wwe how powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts along with Saturn and Chris Benoit, uh, because they're all technical uh, wrestlers. But it kind of was like the the same match, but flipped. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Rey Mysterio would get the better of him uh, because he thought that Dean Malenko was going to do the – what he would always do, he would do the power bomb, and then he'd do the Texas Cloverleaf, which was his finisher. But, of course, Rey Mysterio would turn it into, of course – 
his own version of the the of the Horcrana pin. And as soon as he gets to two, uh, or goes for the pin, the ref doesn't nowhere. see it, and then out of nowhere, like boom, boom, and then you see his mask go off. I'm like, geez, he did that so quick, and then he pulls it off, and he goes like this, and then it, it gets transitioned into the Texas Grover Week, which I thought was great execution yeah. by both Ray. That finish was phenomenal, and then by Dean Malenko getting the submission victory there. But it was yeah. just great. Like I love the cruiserweights, and then the. And Dean Malenko was one of my favorite guys just because, of course, the man of a thousand holds. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Jericho would wind up making fun of it with the with the list. <laughs> the, list. <laughs> the, the first list, not the, yeah. the list of Jericho, but the first list that he did, which was money. That made his character in WCW, I felt like, was the list. Yeah, for sure. And, and he had a great match. Like, it wound up, I think, going seven to ten minutes. They gave it time. And you still promoted how well Rey Mysterio was, but you made Eddie Carson the match. Yeah. Uh, with and so quickly, too. Like, yeah. if you blink, you missed it. Eddie Guerrero yeah. just slides in, grabs the mask, and that's perfect timing, too. Like, just an awesome finish. And, and then talking, and then we, we know about the vignette where they were talking about the meaning of the mask and what it means to a wrestler. It just fit perfectly with that episode. Yeah, and it, he had to call himself because he was like, what am I without my mask? Like, I need it. That's my identity. Yeah, and this was a, a full year before Rey Mysterio yeah. is unmasked in the WCW, the which was the stupidest shit. But <laughs> anyway, uh, here's where we get Roddy Piper comes out, and he announces that the decision stands with Steiner Brothers will yep. be your new tag team champions, which leads to Eric Bischoff coming out with Macho Man Randy Savage, and Piper's ready to fight. He has the belt off. He's ready to yep. fucking start swinging here. But the NWO come out, they surround him, and we have a Sting imposter who looks like he's going to help Roddy Piper, but in fact, it is Hollywood Hulk Hogan, you son of a bitch. Yep. And they just basically jump Roddy Piper. This is a mugging. And the thing that was, I guess, weird to me was nobody came to help. Exactly. Nobody they, came to help Piper. And, and, and they mentioned it two times. They're like, is anybody going to help? Vonnie was then? getting pissed. He was like... WCW, I'm begging you. Is anyone's listening to me back there? Come help, we Roddy help. Piper. We, we as a company need to fight against the, the NWO. Love it. People need to come out to help help with the numbers. Yeah, I love yeah. it. We uh, what's called? Then after that, we got more NWO because it is Scott Norton versus Big Bubba <laughs> Rogers, aka. Uh, now he's, I think at this time he was going by Ray Trailer. He's going by his real name. Yeah, um, Ray Trailer. Yeah, yeah, and. Scott Norton wins, and then we got the classic spray paint onto Ray Trailer. He said, "Why is the Sting imposter still thing this late in '97?" Oh no, this is this wasn't when we had fake Sting in the NWO. This was yeah. just when Sting was coming out and saving yeah, this was the, very, the faces. Yeah, this, yeah, but this Hulk was Hogan American... dressed up as Sting here to pretend and make, like make the crowd believe that it was Sting, but it was actually Hogan at this time. But yeah, I know this... you're talking about fake Sting. That this wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that was in '98. Uh, this was, I believe, it was fall '98 uh, when when they did that. I believe it was, but this this was the beginning of when Sting would come out after being away for like six months. Uh, when yeah. he was like, like you, when you know I'm back, I'll be back. And then he went away for like almost, I think it was almost a year after. I think I think the Sting imposter was actually ninety. Uh... Like late '96, like before we started to see Sting back, it was like, "Oh, is that Sting? Is that the real Sting?" And then when we saw Sting finally return, okay, he took out the imposter in '96. So you're right, smacking it all. When in uncensored '97, you you won't see imposter Sting okay, again. Good. 
Okay, sure. yeah. I knew I knew it had to be before or after this because uh, we had the big moment later on, but it was like this is when he would just pop up out of nowhere and the raptors over here, and then he would just stand there. Yeah, and you would wonder what he was gonna do next. It was like the uh, this was towards the end of it when because yeah, in December they had that match. So yeah, now let's talk about that main event, US title match, Kurt Henning oh, versus DDP. Uh, we're forgetting the the other oh, match. Oh, the Disco TV Inferno, Disco with, Inferno uh, versus Alex, Alex Wright. Wright. <laughs> I mean, decent matchup. I, I, I like it was Alex a decent Wright. matchup. I, I, I liked how they talked about uh, Disco Inferno, how since he won the title, he got more, uh, like, it was for, not for himself, but he got more confident in himself. He was wrestling better. He wasn't scared. And I like how Jacqueline came out. She was trying to cost them the match. She distracted yeah. him. But then he was able to still get the uh, sit on actually hold the tights and get the the pin there. And then of course you know they're set up the match and they made sure to let you know that even though it's going to be Jacqueline versus uh, a Disco Inferno, Halloween Havoc, that the state commission of Las Vegas uh, wouldn't let them do it for the title, yeah. but they would let them have an, an agenda match. So. They made sure to do that, and then he high-teared it out of the out of the ring right before we got set for the main event. Yeah, and this main event was fire yeah. because, especially you know, this is coming off of a fall brawl where Kerr Hennig turned his back on the Four Horsemen and joined the NWO. But as everybody in the NWO is trying to get like underhanded wins and yeah. using and other NWO members to help win the matches for him, Kerr Hennig has actually been winning his matches pretty clean. Putting on bangers too. Uh, I believe last week he had a matchup against Booker T, which was a really good matchup. Two yeah. weeks before that, he had a match with Jeff Jarrett, who's no longer in the company, but was a really good matchup. But yeah, here him and DDP had a banger and a great way to main event what was an excellent episode of Nitro. And uh, the the ending segment was a whole nother fucking fiasco. Yeah. And then let's let's not forget that they mean mention of the fact that DDP's the guy that brought in Kurt Hannon yeah. as his partner at Bash at the Beach, I believe it is in July, and he turned on him right away in that match. So yeah, there's a little bit of that hostility and that revenge involved blood. in this. Yeah, which and this was a really good match. Uh, like of course early on, you knew that he did a scout him because he wanted to do the. The diamond cutter and Kurt Hannon pushed him away, so he knew he did his homework. Technical match through and through, and, but then of course we all know how it how it ended. Uh, nature because, boy, yeah, because the nature boy, uh, was, which was kind of funny. They were like, "Oh, he shouldn't get it. He shouldn't get it." It was like the one, two, and as he calls three, boom, three. Then he touches uh, Kurt Hannon, and then it's like, "The are they going to keep it there? Are they going to?" Reverse the uh, reverse the decision because he technically did get the three count. Yeah, but uh, Nature Boy got in late afterwards, so it was like. But then he had Roddy Piper come out. He's like, it's which damn. is way after the time the show was supposed to end. They said we're going to break, and they're like, we are because it was already after way after ten o'clock. Yeah, and they still went to break and still came back exactly, with the show. <laughs> exactly. And then of course uh, they had uh, that happen. They're like, okay, you're the new U.S. champion. They take the belt off of him, which is perfect because you knew he had that Macho Man DDP uh, feud, and he had the U.S. title at the time. And the one yeah. thing I regret was the fact that they didn't put the U.S. title on the line in that. Yeah, that no. was the one regret. 
But I'll let you get to the next thing, which is, of course, the, the iconic Sting moment. Yeah, this, this segment was awesome. I love the fact that in the beginning of the show, Hulk Hogan says he's going to take out DDP tonight. And here, while you have Piper rewarding DDP with the title, the NWO come out and they attack. I believe it was seven or eight on two. Uh, they seven attack, on two, yeah. Yeah, seven on two. They attack Piper again on the show. And they attack... Um, Diamond Dallas Page. And then in the rap, well, not the rafters, but in the stands, we see a sting imposter. And then we see another sting yeah. imposter. And then we see another. And they all start coming down to the ring one by yeah. one. And the NWO is just taking them out. Like just easy pickings, one by one, destroying these sting imposters. And then we have another guy who's in a sting mask and wig who comes into the ring and both Bagwell hits him. But another there's poses. Yeah, he hits the pose, and there's no selling by the Sting imposter. Yeah. And I believe this is the first time where Sting took off a Sting mask to reveal his thing, because he also did that in TNA once, and then he did it in AEW. Yeah. But yeah, Sting pulls off the mask, and we got the real Sting, who has a bat, and instantly see all the NWO members, including Hulk Hogan, just cower and leave the ring just in fear. And we have Rowdy Piper, Sting, and Diamond Dallas standing yeah. tall as Team WCW. This was There's, amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing shit. And then, don't, and then don't forget that right before he comes in, you had Macho Man do the, 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 the elbow, drop elbow drop four times, four times. And then they made the comment. They're like, he has a bad neck. How is he doing the, the, <laughs> the elbow off? Is it really hurt? Yep. And then he kept it on. And then he, he made sure he did it to the point where it doesn't affect his uh, neck at all, which was great uh, like movement and great placement that he was doing to keep selling the bad uh, the bad neck that he had and yeah. he did that and then Hogan goes get Piper now get Piper now get it get it for me so then he did that for Hogan and yeah, then, like, this one's for me brother <laughs> this one's for me and then he did then Sting comes out and he does the Scorpion Death Drop to Buff Bagwell and then he, he clears a couple of the henchmen before the rest of them clear the ring, and it's like that's the first moment that you get the the standoff where you have guys that are fighting for WCW, yeah, and they're trying to fight off the NWO. This is the start of the the fight back because you had months and months of WCW just letting NWO do their thing because they had the numbers and no one wanted to uh, fight against them with numbers. And this is the first time you get like three guys that are like, okay. We're going to go. And it's DDP, which is one of your homegrown talent. You got mm -hmm. Sting, which, of course, is Sting. The franchise. And then you got, and then you got Piper, who's there uh, feuding with the Hogan at the time. Yeah, this was an awesome way, like I said, to end the awesome show. So it leads me to the same question I have every Monday when I discuss these shows. On October 13th, 1997, fuck what the ratings say. Yeah. Your opinion, Raw or Nitro? I'm going with Nitro. Like you had, I the, can't agree more. <laughs> you had the better matches. You had the better promos. I think the best promo, uh, or was probably the DX one, just because you got them cutting the infamous "We Are Degeneration X." So you got that. So yeah, I, I had that standing out. But as a program, I thought Nitro was longer. They had more time. They had more matches. And it's just like like when I think of. Uh, WCW, I like the fact that they kept everything in the ring. Like, you would go to the next segment, you'd see, oh, of course, uh, Gene go right out to the ring yeah. for the interview right after a match, and they kept on going. 
<laughs> yeah, like everything's in the arena. Like you never see backstage interviews, backstage promos. Like we had that like one video promo of Diamond Dallas, who by the way, yeah, Diamond yeah. Dallas is my guy. I, I fucking my, love my Diamond guy Dallas. Too. I, I, that, it, it, sucks that fan. it sucks we didn't get GDP the wrestler sooner because of course we know he didn't start until his mid to late thirties. Yeah, as a wrestler, and he's still a Hall of Famer. Still had a Hall yeah. of Fame career, and you know, like. I, when every time I see DDP and how over he is and how cool he is as a wrestler here, and then I think about what he could have been in the WWE and could have been that big yeah. star for the invasion angle that could have carried them yeah. and what they did with him as the stalker. Like, come on, man. You really well, well, dropped the ball on that. Well, before that, they, they, they used him pretty decently. He feuded with the uh, Christian, and then he had the, the match. No, that, was after. The, that was after. That was after. Yeah, he was the stalker yeah. first, and then he became the po- uh, positively page with the smile. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. they, 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 they feuded for the European title, which <laughs> was yeah, funny. And I believe. And yeah. you had Christian Cage as his men, uh doing the smile also, and he was trying to stop him oh from being a God. hothead. Yeah. Good shit. But definitely, I agree. WCW Nitro had the better show. Um, I feel like there was more character development on Raw, but you know, if you wanted the best of both worlds, like I said, where you have big name stars and great wrestling and great storylines leading into the pay-per-view. This felt like a go-home show to the pay-per-view. Yeah. And it wasn't even the go-home show, because I feel I think we have one more week before the pay-per-view. So Two. Two more weeks, yeah. So I, I'm only, like, I can only imagine what they're going to do, like, next week to build up to this pay-per-view, because this was a hot show. But definitely, you know, I, I enjoyed Nitro a lot better this week. Oh, yeah, definitely so. You had a lot, like you said in the beginning, we had a lot packed into a sh- into a two-hour time span, but they gave you a lot more matches, a lot more, and that's why they ran over. And the fact that TNT gave them the option to run over benefited them in the long run. Well, it definitely helps when the owner of the company is the owner of the network. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely awesome. Man, can't thank you enough for joining me here on the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. Like I said, we work together a lot with Circle Debate. I love having you on. You're welcome to whenever – so let me yeah. know whenever you want to come on. If you know, like, I'm about to talk about a big show that you want to talk about also, just let me know, and you're welcome to whenever. Yeah, well, I, I might have to do it for Halloween Havoc. Well, uh, that, for sure. That's always, always one of my favorite pay-per-views. Hell yeah. I feel like and, that was their show. Yeah, it was their show. They always did it in Las Vegas, and then it just it, it just worked for them. That was their show. Like, they always said that Starcade wasn't the big show, but for me, it was Halloween Havoc. And just how they had the setup and everything. And then, of course, you have the infamous cage match, which we talk about in two weeks. Of course, that funny yeah. end to it. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. But, yeah, man, let, let the people know where they could find you and how they could reach out to you and where they could watch your awesome podcast. Of course, I, I'm the host of Cage My IQ. You can find me on YouTube and Instagram uh, and Twitch at Cage My IQ. You can also find me on Twitter at CageIQ. I'm going to be interviewing, uh, of course, uh, up-and-coming wrestler and Jeremy Prophet tomorrow night. I'm going to be interviewing him then. I'm going to interview him. I'm going to probably drop it on Wednesday afternoon, so you can check that out. I've also interviewed, of course, Aaron Jeffrey and Bubba Jenkins in Belcher and then PFL, respectfully, so you can check them out. And then, of course, I'm always putting out my MMA content. I just released my UFC Fight Night, uh, of course, prediction show. Just released that. 
And I'm going to be doing some more wrestling stuff as well. We got, of course, Extreme Wars coming out. So I'm looking to get a couple guys on to preview that and then possibly recap that as well. So you can check all that out on my network, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and then just comment on my videos. Most definitely. Everybody subscribe to Cage My IQ. Check it out. Great podcast. And like I said, Dan, you're welcome to whenever. Yep. I appreciate you, man. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for episode 245 of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. If you don't already, hit that subscribe button on the Circle of Debate YouTube channel. Catch us here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for Circle of Debate. Follow on Instagram at Wrestling DeLorean Pod and at Circle of Debate. You know, we do a lot of content on this channel, so you won't be disappointed if you hit that subscribe button. And for all the people that are already subscribed, we thank you. Thank you for so much for riding with the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. I love you guys, and I will catch you guys on Wednesday. We'll be talking about tonight's Monday Night Raw. We'll be talking about NXT, and we'll be going back in time and talk about the fallout of ECW WrestlePalooza 1998. So make sure you join on Wednesday. I love you guys. Take care. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. This fall, the Disney Bundle has all the action. Holy smokes! Watch live NFL and college football games on ESPN Plus. On Disney Plus, there's Loki Season 2. Whoa, it's on its way. And Ahsoka. Buckle up. And on Hulu, you can watch The Boogeyman and Welcome to Rexa. Oh my God, the expectation. All of these and more streaming this fall with the Disney Bundle. Blackouts and restrictions apply. 18 plus only. Access content from each service separately. Offer valid for eligible subscribers only. Terms apply.